0: Hi, everyone. My name is uh, Father Dominic. I'm in a, what do you call, a baby priest. I was only uh, ordained about two months ago. Um, oh, thank you, I like, ah, oh, this is nice. <laughs> um, I was a seminarian here last summer, and uh, I was just a seminarian, but fortunately last summer, I don't think there were any beach masses, or at least not during my time when I was here, so Father Brian, uh, inviting me to come here to, uh, to come and be the celebrant here in the Beach Mass. So, uh, I gl- gladly accepted his invitation, and uh, it's just a joy and wonder, great to be here, because uh, I just think it's just a wonderful thing what we do here. Um, you know, I have to say, I I have this kind of bad habit. Um, I wake up first thing in the morning, and of course, you know, I'm kind of like, of course I'm a millennial, I have my phone as my alarm. And uh, so I, you know, the first thing I do is I'm already, I already have the phone in my hand. So I, I, you know, turn off the alarm and, but of course, when you, you know, you have the phone in your hand, you got to check the notifications. You can't just, uh, you know, let, just not put the phone back down. And so I have this kind of bad habit where I, I, uh, I'll read the news. So I have like this kind of Google news, whatever thing. And I'll, um, I'll kind of just, you know, it's like, it's like endless. It just, you know, you, you keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. It's like endless news, 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 news. And, for whatever reason i you know i i guess it was a google algorithm and it kind of got me hooked on this uh story or this kind of recent controversy over uh jeopardy maybe some of you are pretty familiar with the 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 recent events of kind of going on with the the show and you know i'm not even a fan of jeopardy i think i've maybe watched like five episodes in my life but for whatever reason i became totally fascinated with this uh recent uh, event and as we know alice trebek who was like this icon he was just, just like you know this great game show host for like i think over 40 years and uh, just did a fantastic job of kind of being like uh you know just just an icon of the television and of course as we know he had recently passed away during the covid pandemic and of course they needed to find a replacement and i think they had all these different characters they had like i think aaron rogers he was on the Show host once. I think they had LeVar Burden, Anderson Cooper. I mean, they had like all of these different celebrities come and uh, show the uh, Jeopardy—you know—be a host for Jeopardy to kind of follow Trebek's shoes. And uh, I think when I know, so I'm here. I am like one more. I'm I'm scrolling through and I'm I'm click- I think you know when you click one article, like you just you just keep getting more of that same story over and over again. And so I eventually, I remember started reading that uh, they had just made the announcement of who the permanent host would be and. I think the name came out being Michael Richards. And I was like, what? Who's he? I have no idea who he is. Like I was like scratching my head. Like he had LeVar Burton, he had Anderson Cooper, he had all these like these you know celebrity names, and you picked like this nobody, and like I don't even know who he is, but I didn't think much of it. I'm okay, whatever. I guess it's over. We don't need to worry about who's gonna host Jeopardy anymore. And then again, you know, again I woke up at 6 a.m. in the morning, picked up my phone, and then I scrolled through my news and I saw Michael Richards steps down as Jeopardy host. I'm like, what? Again? What's going on here? How hard is to find a game show host for a for a TV show? And then I saw I was like, clicked the article and I saw it, oh, like you know he you know they found some recent comments he made in a podcast like ten years ago, and I was like, oh here we go the cancel culture one more victim among so many other people who has to uh, pay the pay the sacrifice of things they said ten years ago. But then I read another article and I saw what he actually said. I'm like oh, that's, that's not very appropriate what he said. That's not, I, I, don't, I don't think that's a pretty good thing to say, what he's saying about. He just really does kind of very inappropriate things about women, about Haiti, about all these kind of like irreverent jokes I think he was making on this podcast. And I was like, wow, that's not, that's really that not nice. And, and then I realized, I didn't even know this myself, that he was also the executive producer of Jeopardy. So the guy who was in charge of finding the next host hired himself to be the host. And I said, there's that's something not right about it. There's something really, like, just really strange. And you know, so for me, I was like, okay, I'm not that shocked that the Twitter mob went after this guy and kind of uh, canceled him. And then I saw that, and then I woke up another morning, I think actually maybe like two days ago. And I saw, I woke, I woke up 6 a.m. and it says, Michael Richards now entering to sensitivity training. And I was like, okay, I can't can't do this anymore. This is like, this is getting like so crazy. And then the line had, I think one of the line had said was that, you know, he's like, he's going through his sensitivity program where he's going to, you know, he apologizes, says all all the things that you have to say, I guess, you know, uh, to appease the mob. And uh, and the line that I kind of thought was interesting was that, just give him a chance to show who he really is. I was like, oh, I thought that's kind of interesting. Who is... Michael Richards. I didn't know who he was before, and now you hear all these caricatures of who he is and what he says to be. And and then I saw the replacement, where I think me like my I can't. I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher her name. I don't want to embarrass myself. But she, I you know, now she has become the host. And then I saw another article that they dug up articles about her about what she said something like 10 years ago. And I said, this is never going to end. No one's going to be worthy to be the Jeopardy host of uh, uh, of the next generation. And I thought this whole episode about like you know finding the who's pure enough to be the jeopardy host, who's good enough to follow Trebek's shoes i i for me i don't I don't have the answer I don't know what the right answer is in terms of whether he should have been fired, whether he should have been kept on. i don't know i'm not I, i'm not I don't have much knowledge to really make that kind of judgment, but something I saw in this kind of event, you know that all this struggle to find you know, the, the pure actor or the pure show host for a game show. I, I mean, it's kind of silly how, how far we had, we had to be so pure to, to just to host a Jeopardy! show. You I mean, whatever you said in the last 20 years has to be crystal, you know, clean. You can't have done saying anything wrong. And we all know that's kind of ridiculous. Like, we've all said things that we we regret. All the things we said that, you know, we shouldn't have said, And um, whether it be in public or in private or in the, the boys' locker room or in like, you know, the bar or whatever, we, we all kind of things we regret. But we see in this kind of culture today, I think these two different tensions. One is sort of like this secular puritism, and that's a that's a term I just invented. I don't know, but but it it it's something like we see in this culture where everything has to be pure. And it says, and, and there's something good about that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think there's something wrong about that. I mean, we can just look at the recent resignation of Andrew Cuomo and that, you know, how he was quote unquote canceled, but none of us is really shedding too many tears about that. There's something in the sense, there's, there's some aspect that's good that we hold our public figures to a higher standard than we hold to ourselves and that we should, they should be accountable. So this aspect of purity is not, not it's not a bad thing. But then we have this other extreme where it's like, you know, well, how far are we willing to go? How far are we going to kind of stay ourselves and keep ourselves pure for pure, purity's sake? And then we have his other, I think, um, maybe let's say moral code of like, this libertarian morality, whereas as long as I'm not hurting anybody, I'm a good person. And something seems lacking there too because even though we know that nobody can be 100% perfect, we know we're also not called to moral laxity. We're not supposed to be just sort of like, whatever I feel, whatever you feel, as long as we don't hurt each other, that's okay. Because we know that, as human beings, we're, we're both body and soul. Violence is not just limited to the body, but violence can also be done to the soul. The question of purity is not just, it's not just, it's not just that. It's a question of justice. What do we want our society to look like? What is the, what is the, what is the standard or values that we're going to uphold? And so we see this secular puritanism on one end, and we see this sort of like libertarian morality on the other. And so the, I think that both of them have, don't have the full answer. And I think that Jesus kind of responds to both of these tensions we see. We see in the Gospel today, he sort of questions the Pharisees. The Pharisees see their disciples, and they're not following the purity laws. They're not doing what all the other people are doing in this time. And the Pharisees question Jesus. Why aren't you washing your hands? Why aren't you uh, washing your pots? I mean, it says here, Pure, why aren't you puring your cups, your jugs, your kettles, and your beds? I mean, it's like, it's like ridiculous. Like, how much purification do you have to go before you can eat a meal? Um, but Jesus kind of pierces through them and says, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites as it is written This people honors me with their lips but their hearts are far from me I think so many we see in this sort of like this Twitter mob it's this kind of like this you know pointing at fingers for some sort of sense of moral superiority this sense of self-righteousness that we see in the Pharisees but at the same time Jesus is not dismissing this idea of purity. He says, "Observe the commandments." He is calling them to greater purity. But at what line? What's the point? Why live the commandments? Why bother? And I think he says in the gospel he says, "I mean that the moral life is simply it's about the heart." And he says that what comes from the human heart is evil thoughts. Unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. all of these evils come from within and they are what defile. who of us can stand up and say that we have never struggled with any of these things? who of us cannot since struggle maybe ten years ago 20 years ago or even now say that we're completely free from all these uh, things that, you know, stay in our human hearts. But is the answer just simply to give up? Just say like, well, because no one can follow the law, because we're all hypocrites, well, we just should become, you know, libertarians and just live this world like, libertarian morality. And Jesus is saying no to that too. We hear in the letter of St. James. All good giving and every perfect gift is from above. He will to give us birth by the word of truth. Humbly welcome the word that has been planted in you and is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. We follow God's commandments not to be self-righteous or feel morally superior or be good enough to host jeopardy. <laughs> God's commandments, God's law, is about love. And how did Jesus teach us the law? How did he teach us to love and to stay pure? The law was fulfilled on the cross. Jesus identified himself with criminals, thieves, murderers, and all the human dysfunction that we see in our world but at the same time, while he was suffering the unjust punishment, he remained pure. He was never arrogant, never angry. He wasn't being cynical or pointing fingers at the Pharisees during the crucifixion. Rather, Jesus remained pure of heart. It was precisely on the cross when all the human evil that exists within our hearts was revealed and it was revealed to Christ, all the human dysfunction, all the evil. It was precisely when the evil of the heart was revealed, Jesus revealed his own heart, and he spoke the word, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus was revealing that the pure heart is not formed by some following some strict code of ethics, or by passing a a Twitter litmus test, Jesus revealed that the law, the pure heart is fulfilled in mercy. So as we come to the Eucharist, it's precisely in this sacrament where our hearts encounters the heart of Christ. We come with our struggles, we come with our impurity, we come with all the things that we know we can do better in, that we know we messed up in. But Jesus identifies with us, doesn't want to condemn us, doesn't want to push us to the side or cancel us. Jesus wants to be in our souls. He wants to show us what true love looks like, not to condemn the world, but to unite it. We may never be good enough or pure enough to host jeopardy, But maybe, just maybe, with a spirit of humility, mercy, and compassion, God will purify our hearts. And he will invite us to his justice. But more importantly, he will invite us to live in his presence.